welcome to another episode of the Verified Geek Podcast. For this week, my guest is Karen, an analytics consultant and manager that runs her own podcast called Women in Data. We are talking tech, our past with sports, and the impact of it in our careers, and much, much more. Please join this conversation and don't forget to check out Karen's podcast. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hello. I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? Good, good, good. So shall I introduce ourselves or do you want to do it? Yeah, sure. So I am Karen Jean-Francois, a very French name, and that is because I am French, but from the Caribbean. And uh, I work as an analytics consultant and manager with a company called Cardlytics. And I also host and produce the Women in Data podcast. Uh, So just to give you a bit of overview of what it is that I do, Cardlytics is... uh, We act as a platform basically between advertisers and banks. And what we do is we push cashback offers on banking digital channels. So that means if you bank with Lloyds, for example, in the UK, you can go on your bank account and you would have this space where you can get cashback offers. So we would say, oh, go to Sainsbury's and we will put 5% back on your bank account. So that's what we do. And there I am responsible for everything that is analytics on the financial institution side. So that means that I help the banks and our financial partners to understand the value of their data and how we can use their data to make their customers more loyal, more engaged with the program, but also run some insights and segmentations and and things like that. So yeah, that's what I do in terms of work in terms of podcast <laughs> I'm like you so I'm running a, a podcast it's called the women in data podcast um, in partnership with women in data and what I'm trying to achieve with the podcast is to first of all bring more transparency on how data is used in various industries we can talk about that forever <laughs> and also uh, bring some female role models on the scene because I did find working in data, it's been about 10 years now that I'm working in data. I did find it difficult to find role models and relate to the people I was working with, so the managers and senior managers in the company, because they were just so different from, from me. So having a, access to a broad range of different people, um, I'm focusing on women for the podcast because we are a minority in data, so I thought let's bring them to the front of the scene and share their story and talk about what they're doing. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting what you said here. Yeah. Role models are very, very important in in your career, any, any, anyone's career. And uh, funny that you say that I am working as a web developer. Well, I am like a lead software engineer for Capgemini and I've been doing this job for about 10, 11 years and um, yeah, like you said, there's not a lot of uh, female programmers or people that work in start in, in tech. Uh, but to be fair, it's been about 11 years that I'm in the industry now, maybe 12, uh, that things have changed a lot. And uh, yeah. I realized how important it is to have female role models at your job, especially this job. Nice. Very, yeah, very I remember. 
I remember our CEO came. So Catalysis is a US-based company. So we have offices in the UK, India, and the main office in Atlanta. And our CEO came one day from Atlanta and she was talking to women of Catalytics and the women group um, of the company. And she said something that sent me in panic mode. What she said was, um, if there is no one in the company, so if you look around and you can't see yourself on the seat of anyone here, it means you're in the wrong company. And I was thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? Uh, I'm still at the company. That was a couple of years ago. And it's only because, you know, by going to events where I met other women, but also doing the podcast, I realized actually what it meant is not that I have to be this exact person. It just means I would like to be in that, at that role, doing something similar, but I could be doing it on my own way because, you know, diversity of thoughts, diversity of how you approach things is very important. And I, I think yeah. it took me a while to understand that. Uh, and it was through role models and mentors and things like that that I was able to to get that otherwise I would be having yeah. panic attack at work every day yeah that's very like like you said my my our podcasts uh, are quite quite similar uh, what I do is it's called verified geek and I want to basically uh, bring people on the show that are geeks because they work or people call them geeks like I believe that everyone is a geek with anything really um as long as you are you're passionate about it and um uh, basically I I bring people to in the show to talk about their experiences in the tech industry to talk about how they they wanted role models uh, in their career, but they're now ended up being role models themselves. And yeah, it's exactly like you said, like you're working in an office, but, and your career evolves, but then I just wanted to show, um, and I believe your, your podcast does that as well, is what is in everyone's mind, you know, when, when they, start from somewhere and then their career evolves and they become something else or they change jobs and what goes what's the thought process of this whole journey that's basically yeah. uh, one of the main reasons why I started the the podcast nice that's really good so what when did you when did your podcast start uh podcast started in April last year, so we're celebrating the first year anniversary right now. Oh, nice. And uh, it was, a, yeah, it's been crazy. So what happened is I have been attended women, attending women in data events for the past six years, I, I believe. And I, I get a lot of value from there. So you meet loads of amazing people. You get some mentoring, some coaching from very senior women. Um, and the, the conversations are interesting. And what happened is in 2019, Women in Data decided instead of doing one big flagship event, as they call it, a year, they were going to split it in different meetups and also do the flagship, but all their partners were running evening events so you would go the, they will talk about what they are doing in data they will talk about different stories about women working in the company and 
I realized that being there, I had access to so many amazing people, so many amazing stories. We They were just openly sharing. But because these events were on a smaller scale than the, um, the big event, lots of people could not make it to, <laughs> to that. And I had lots of friends being super frustrated, telling me, oh, I wanted to go to that event, but I was not selected for a ticket. And I thought, okay, maybe we should take these conversations and bring them out and make them available to everybody. Even the coffee chats I had with some of the women there. So after the conference, we would exchange numbers, go for a coffee chat a few days later. And I thought, let's just have these conversations and make them, put them out there for everybody who would be interested to listen to them. And I went to Rachel, who is the one of the co-founders of Women in Data. And I told her, Rachel, can we please do a podcast? And she is crazy. She is crazier than me. She said, yes, Karen, let's do it. <laughs> and I was thinking, what are you doing? You don't even know if I can run a podcast. Uh, but it, it's been a year now. And we've done bi-weekly. Um, do you say bi-weekly or bi-monthly? Every other week, we, yeah. we release one episode. And I'm pretty impressed with how consistent <laughs> this has been. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know I could pull it off, but looks like I had it in me. Well done. Well done. It's been a whole Thank journey. you. <laughs> Long way to go. Uh, but you're you're inspiring me because you know how it is. You, you, you start it and then you're like, mm, but no one's really listening. And <laughs> But you're at the start. Uh, so People are listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was reading something about um, saying, "Oh, listen." Even if you have like twenty listeners, if, imagine twenty people in a room. Th- th- this is actually your audience, and it's it's right. It's like it's a lot bigger than an actual event in person. Like you said, yeah, it's yeah. very important for people to listen to experiences of people that work in technology or in data without having to pay, uh, you know, or... Exactly. <laughs> Especially with the podcast, they, they do stay there. So they can, even if you don't, even if people are not listening today, maybe in a few months, people are going to be listening and go back to episodes. I actually had someone telling me yesterday that there was, I don't remember all the names because I'm terrible with names. But so there was this guy who was having a radio show online radio show by himself and he had one or two listeners and someone hired him to run a radio show because they liked his show so much so yeah so she was she was the lady who was telling me that story she said it's not about how many people listen to your show it's about the quality of the people that listen and the quality of the show you you give so yeah (laughs) That's true. So how did you decide to to follow a data analysis career path? All right. <laughs> Tough and easy question at the same time. I I did not decide. I just fell into it. So I this week I was listening to this um, fireside chat from women who code data science. And the woman who was talking, she she was saying, I knew from age eight that I wanted to code because I was passionate about it. And I was like, okay. So you were either, talking yeah. about <laughs> you were talking about geeks here. Yeah, I'm a I'm a geek imposter. Uh, so <laughs> I 
I, we were talking before we started recording about coming from small, small places um, where I come from. No one knows about data. And in fact, if someone asked my mom, what does Karen do? She will say she works in finance, which is not, which is not the case. But hey, so I set up to be a math teacher like my granddad because he was the one when my mom was what my mom was working full time and so was my dad. So my granddad was taking us to school and then back home and helping us with homework. And he used to be a math teacher. So I thought, you know, kids, they're like, I want we are very simple when we're kids, right? It's I see these, I want to be these. So I wanted to be a math teacher. And I set up to study math. I did the master's in applied statistics and um, in mathematics engineering. <laughs> and that's when actually I, I discovered data analytics. I had no clue about data before my master's. And that was just random. So what happened is I moved from Guadeloupe, which is my island, best island on earth. You should definitely oh, wow. visit. <laughs> yes. And uh, (laughs) definitely go. So I moved from there to Paris to study, but also do athletics. So I was running with a French team of athletics doing 100 meters hurdles. And so when I graduated from my bachelor's degree, so in France, bachelor's degree is three years and then master's two years. So I I did my third year in Paris. And then I thought, okay, so I graduated now. I don't know what to do. I didn't want to be a teacher anymore. In that year, I decided I was not going to be a teacher anymore. And so I went to the the head of the the bachelor's degree and she told me, you're good with statistics. You should go to that master's. And that was just completely random. (laughs) That's how it happened. And I absolutely loved it because I'm a very curious people and digging into data definitely satisfies that curiosity. So understanding customer behaviors, what people are doing, especially with transactional data, it is so satisfying just to see, obviously, pseudonymized data because I won't be able to say Dora spent there. But seeing where people are spending and how you can shift their habits through advertisement is amazing. I love it. If you're enjoying this podcast, then join Riley and her crew as they delve into everything games, from upcoming titles and nostalgic classics to game development and intriguing interviews. Learn and laugh alongside this ragtag team of indie devs. Whether you want to philosophize about the definition of a game, discuss the hype behind virtual reality, or discover games you've never heard of, Game Jones is the new crew for you. For more things Game Jones, check out allmylinks.com slash gamejones and check out their Twitter at gamejones for all news and announcements. I have a similar experience with with programming i just happened to like i remember telling my dad saying um i want to go and and study computer science back like that was like 2004 or something back in the day and he was like what but what is this like th- he had no clue uh plus <laughs> the industry that was booming back then was engineering you know civil engineering or mechanical engineering you know so he was like, you should go and do this. And he actually brought some friends of his to convince me not to study <laughs> computer science. That's how bad it was. And 
I mean, I the reason why I loved it was because I, I liked downloading songs for on my laptop because I like music. That was it. That's the only thing I I liked doing. I had nothing about. I had no clue about programming and algorithms or anything like that. And yeah, uh, like I didn't hear to what my dad told me, which was actually a good thing. Uh, now <laughs> that I realize it. And I just went to study computer science. First year, I had no clue of what we're doing. Literally, people had questions, asking questions, solving algorithm problems. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing here? And that's actually a really good message to everyone that's starting to study something in tech. The first year must might look crazy or like it might look like you don't understand anything and you just have to hang in there and you'll get there, there eventually. Plus, really studying something has nothing to do with, with the industry world out there. That's um, very true. Yeah. What did you study? Uh, so I did mathematics in G. So I, first I started with algebra and calculus <laughs> because I wanted to be a math teacher. So I was teaching the hardcore stuff. <laughs> And then I went into uh, a more applied type of math doing statistics. And yeah, but similar to, to you, it's funny, you know, when you come from a smaller place and people don't really know what's available, they, they tend to want to push you toward a different direction. So growing up, I was told because I was set on studying mathematics, everybody back home was telling me. So my parents, very supportive, but everyone else minding your business instead of their business telling me you are wasting your time studying mathematics uh this is going to lead you nowhere and well, yeah i'm I, just like you i'm glad i did not listen uh yeah, yeah. i'm have, so glad i didn't listen yeah i have a feeling that comes from us being athletes because you are an athlete too aren't you yeah. yeah, yeah. I um that's another reason why I started the podcast actually, because when you hear when someone that has nothing to do with tech, um they socialize or they have people around them that work in tech, they assume that these people are just in front of a computer all day, being geeks, doing nothing else. Whereas <laughs> what I see working in the industry is most of the people that work in tech are actually passionate about other stuff. And one of them is actually sports. Yeah, we um, have a life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is exactly what I want to like pass on. Um, so I, yeah, I, I started doing athletics from a really young age. I started with uh, 100 meter running. Then I went to long jump then they wanted me to do high jump because uh, they said, oh, there's no one in Greece that does this sport. That's maybe you should, <laughs> you should try it. Uh, and then a bit of, I did a bit of basketball as well. That I was, I had, I literally had, I was passionate about basketball. Um, yeah. You mean the stubbornness comes from, from the sports. Like I'm not going to do not. what you tell me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that's the boldness. It's just about knowing, really knowing what you want to do. Uh, and I'm just chatting with you. I'm just realizing we have so much in common. I wanted to do basketball, but then my dad decided I was too tall. 
<laughs> and basketball was going to make me taller so they just dumped me on the track which was which was good actually I loved being on the track and in fact every time I played basketball at school I was running away from the ball so I'm glad I went to the track but um back to the stubbornness thing I was reading this article on uh, Forbes which is called uh, I has got a really long name I, I think it's inside the mind of at least athletes who do some whatever in business. So very long title, <laughs> Google it if you want. And they were talking about why elites, so talking about elite athletes who then went to business and what meant that they succeeded in business. And one of the things was, uh, before I go into that, there are lots of pros and cons of being a, an elite athlete or a international athlete or even any athlete. Uh, and then going to work uh, and we can talk about that as well but uh, yeah. so what on that point what was I think what resonated with me was the fact that he was saying that in general um, sports people they know what they want to do and they have clarity on their goal and they were they would just go for it so I'm I'm seeing this in the I want to study math you want to study computer science whatever people say we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, that that said, do you feel like do you feel like this has stopped you a bit in business or uh that's a weird one. So I mean my my what I wanted to do in life is become an athlete. It's just that like many athletes, uh, I had an injury. Uh, when I was 17, 18 years old. So that that's that kind of stopped me. But I think I took that uh, mindset of being an athlete to, to uh, having a career in tech, starting from the fact that, you know, I wanted to do it and I didn't listen to anyone else. And uh, you shouldn't really listen to anyone else. It's like, it's, you shouldn't really, whatever you want to do makes you passionate you should go and do that um so I keep on saying this to everyone especially in my country uh, people think that they need to give advice to their kids about what or, or push their kids to about what they need to study or, or work on but it's it's crazy the other day someone said to me shall I send my son to London to study this it's like, shall I, shall I send him? And I'm like, does your son want to do that? <laughs> like, that's my question. Um, so, yeah. It's and always then, good intentions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, parents are parents. Yeah. So, but then that followed me, that followed me to to uh, the actual career in tech in, in, in a sense that I was surrounded by men in my first company, um, I mean, bless them, it was a great company. It was just small and it was 11 years ago and things have actually evolved a lot mm -hmm. uh, in terms of um, how many women are now programmers. Um, and yeah, I was in an environment with like literally 17 men uh, and it, it was, and trust me, men are like, they, they don't care. They, 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 are, they, they, they acted the same um, and they basically treated me a, a, as one of the boys, which which I really really liked. And um, it, yeah, I think 
many many times where I've, I struggled, especially as a young young uh, programmer, where you don't know the technologies that well, and you have to like uh, stay in the office until late and study and make sure you deliver something within a few hours. Yeah, because that's the the most difficult thing about our industry is you're not given something that you know you have to deliver in three years, you're given something to deliver in a short amount of time. And when you're a junior, you're actually learning how to do that. And I think being an athlete has helped me a lot to just know, okay, I need to deliver this, this and that by that time. So I need to prioritize and focus on this, focus on that. I used to do that uh, as an athlete as well. Um, yeah. I also used to be very bossy as a, as a basketball <laughs> player I was like you should do this you should do that uh probably quite annoying if I saw myself uh now as like a 14 year old basketball player I'd be really annoyed at me uh <laughs> but I think that kind of followed me in my career as well not always the best thing I I need to take it down a notch <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Hey, you do you. <laughs> uh, in in terms of yeah, I think something I really took with me is all the planning and all the routines and the habits, and this is also something that the article talks about. Um, I am a very active person. I do not know how to stop, and uh, so obviously I do a podcast aside from work, just like you, <laughs> and I do other stuff as well. So soon I'm going to start teaching Python with Code Code First Girls, uh, so mm-hmm. I'm just adding stuff all the time, and people tend to ask me, "How do you do that?" And I'm thinking, I do not know how to not do that and also it's just people are like oh but how do you find the time and I'm thinking if you're organized if you have your routines and your habits set up you're going to find time and this is something we get from sports right because I started athletics when I was 10 so I started at 10 and then I stopped competing at 21 and that's what you have to do at 10 okay you know you don't care about these things but then you start you have your exams you so you have the A levels and you go to university and you have to do your bachelor's degree and you have to do your master's degree so I stopped um, during my second year of master's and doing all these with the track knowing that I was on the track 12 hours a week and there were competitions on the weekends that was adding and then you have physio in the meantime you have to plan and know how you're going to do things throughout the, the week. And uh, this is something that I'm very, very happy I took with me. Although sometimes I do have the feeling that I plan a bit too much. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to lift my foot on that. <laughs> but yeah, and um, something, if we go back to the knowing what you want to do and the objectives, something I find very destabilizing in data so I don't know how it is in in tech in general but in data setting up objectives is very difficult Uh, so you can't go and say oh you're going to write that many pieces of code in a year or you know salespeople they have it very (laughs) they have it very easy you have to sell that much or bring that much money to the business and that's the objectives and for us it's very very hard and it becomes very vague and in fact we I ran a survey recently for the podcast and with women in data. 
And 41% of the respondents said that they were, they found the lack of clarity on objectives very challenging and that it was stopping them from progressing in their career. And yeah. I think with athletics is at the beginning of the year and even two years before, I know my goal is to make it to the European Championship. So I need to make it to the team. To go to the team, I need to um, to go to the European Championships and to make it to the final. I need to first make it to the team. To make it for to the team, I have to go through the selections. And then for the selections, I have to be first, second or third. And for to be that, I need to run that time. And so it was always, you know, you have a direction, you know what you have to do to do that, to get to that. You know how fast you need to run, you know how much you have to train, yeah. what exercises you have to do. And working in data, I, I feel like it's complete chaos. I have no clue what I'm doing, where, where I'm running towards. So I know what my career goal is. But how to get there gets a bit shady sometimes. Yeah. Um, oh do you God. have this feeling as well? Oh yeah, 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 hundred percent. Like the the goal of because with, with us we have like small little projects very often, and we actually don't know what we have to deliver in a month from now. So we will be told, okay, this is what you have to deliver, but we will be told in a month from now. So everything's very yeah. vague, like you're saying, very abstract. So. Yeah, no, the, the only thing that athleticism has and sports has helped me on that uh, is the fact that I will never give up. Like, even if I have to, like, deliver something in a very short amount of time, I will push myself. And that's what I used to do in sports as well. I used to push myself. Um, the only thing that I've done with age is... I now know that has become better with me in terms of like me growing older is that now I don't push myself to the limits that I, I will break myself. You know, I know <laughs> Can we please talk about this? <laughs> yeah. And I know where to stop and I know how to say to either a client or someone superior than me that, listen, we cannot deliver what we what you want because this, this, and that. Now, like, you know, and also I have the experience to say this, that, listen, I'm not going to break myself and I'm not going to break my team uh, just because you want to satisfy the client really quickly. I will basically tell you we can deliver out of the thing that you want to deliver, which is 100%, we can deliver 70% by that time. And then the, the other 30% we can deliver in like two more months. So... Yeah, as a young as a young programmer, I used to push myself and be like, "But the client wants this. I need to do this, and I need to do that." And obviously, that's lacking experience. And yeah, then it's managing expectations, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I, I'm the same. Uh, I'm learning. I learned the hard way to say no <laughs> and yeah. what to say no to and how to say no. But I, I think also, you know, it's always. I don't know where I would just bringing back to athletics again um it's always putting this extra effort right so if you want to do something where you have to do more than either what's asked for or just push yourself because if you want to progress then you have to get to, I want to say do that extra lap but I was definitely not lapping the track <laughs> maybe you're lapping the track I'm not uh, and um so I will do that extra 100 meters uh yeah I do 
quite a lot actually i still go to the track and uh, not at the moment obviously because everything is closed but um yeah uh, i have a love hate relationship with athletics nowadays so i can't get away from it but i don't want to be in it too much <laughs> yeah um yeah so i i think it was it's hard to understand the balance about when you do sports you have your coach telling you when to stop basically or even your body I mean if you if you've done too much your body is going to be like okay now you stop when you're working uh, everybody appreciate the fact that you're doing some extra because you're producing and then everybody's just going to expect you to perform to that level all the time no one is going to tell you oh Karen watch out you're going to burn out you know they're going to be like oh yeah Karen she's going to do this for me she's going to deliver in no time I can put this on her desk it's going to get done and then your brain we're smart people right but your brain is not smart enough to tell you hey what are you doing it's just at some it's just when it's too late it realizes oh (laughs) what did you do Yeah, so learning that. I think I've, le- uh, I've learned that with age. You need to like stop and not let people take advantage of you. Every yeah. if you if you're a junior or you're just starting a job in tech and you just go full on, you will understand that at some point that maybe they're taking advantage of me. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. And the, you have no. I, I was. I was quite angry at myself after working really, really, really hard for the first company I worked for because I burned out, had a burnout. Yeah. And and then I realized, why am I doing to myself? Like, these people are not your family. You don't have an emotional connection to just, just a company. Yes, you do have like a nice connection with your colleagues and it was a small company and I loved it. I still, I still see most of them, but there's no need to like break yourself because yeah right. and also it's not it's not efficient because what's going to happen is you're not going to like your work anymore you're not going to be as productive so it, taking a break and then knowing your boundaries are very very important um and I, I think we don't talk about it enough so everybody talks about oh boundaries nowadays you know what uh take a break go for a walk but there is actually no one making sure that this happens so when you're more senior yes you know you have to do it and there is less pressure to impress people and show that you can do the work while when you as you said when you're more junior you have this pressure of I need to perform I need to show them that I am capable of doing the work Uh, and that's when maybe businesses should make sure that there is more guidance in telling people it's okay to to breathe um yeah, Something I find true. funny is the lunch and learns. I love learning things, but when you put it on my lunch break, when I'm meant to have a break and actually you're telling me, oh no, sit in front of your desk and look at that. I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe I will pass for today. <laughs> Can you record it, please? Yeah, that's amazing that you, we actually have a yeah very, very, very similar, uh, well, tech careers in tech plus uh careers in in sports but you you did it quite were you a professional athlete and working in tech or you've never done it both so I was never a professional professional so I made it to the French team but the under 23 team and uh I was I had sponsors and things like that but no contracts of you are professional athletes. Uh, okay. 
And uh, yeah, so I did two European championships, 2009 and 2011, burnt out in 2011 because, yes, burnout is not only uh, in businesses, it also happens in in, uh, sports. So I was trying to do my master's, do an internship and (laughs) go to the European championships. That was a bit too much. Um, but no, so I just did, I did internships while racing, but not working, working. Uh, I went to the track. I go to the track now, uh, but not that often. That's amazing. Well, I mean, it's been like more than 30 minutes and I really, really, really love this, uh, conversation. Um, we should do it again, actually. Yeah. When, when I have more episodes and more um, experience in podcasting. <laughs> and yeah, thank you so much. You're an inspiration to me. Um, oh, thank you. Power to move on and actually do that podcasting thing journey that I started. So, yeah, I definitely encourage it. And if you need some help, let's just help each other and yeah. try to do that. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I'll tell you what, if you made it this far, it means that you're actually enjoying the podcast. So why don't you go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts and write a review about it. Thank you so much for listening.